This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, February 11th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. When the government engages in a taking, it's often more subtle, more complicated than simply seizing a piece of property. Sam Spiegelman discusses why Cato filed a friend of the court brief in the case of Idaker v. United States and the implications the case might hold for federal takings in the future. The Takings Clause of the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. What is our modern understanding of that based on uh, the text of it and Supreme Court precedent? There is a uh, something of a consensus, um, the consensus among academics, though you wouldn't hear it from judges, is that it's a, um, that it's a complete mess, um, at least in, in how the courts and the Supreme Court especially have, uh, have uh, distilled it. But uh, we understand it to cover a lot more than just taking someone's property, a lot more than, um, you know, walking onto someone's uh, property and giving them a court order saying, this is ours now. Here's how much we're paying you for Mr. it. Mr. Eidecker suddenly found, discovered that his land to be used for farming was not to be used for that purpose. Is that right? Exactly. Because thanks to a change in policy from the Army Corps of Engineers, there was going to be a lot more flooding. And he discovered that by there being a lot more flooding. And so that changed his expectation with respect to the value of the farmland. And so he believes that he is entitled under the Fifth Amendment to what? So under the Fifth Amendment, he's entitled to compensation for uh, loss of use for the crops that for the crops that were lost for the crops that he then couldn't grow. Um, it, you know, when you have farmland and it's flooded uh, more regularly and more intensely than for decades previously, that adds up. And uh, for all the original plaintiffs, it actually goes up to the billions. Um, but for a lot of reasons we don't need to go in, we're thrown from the case. And by the end of it, there was only a handful of, uh, of plaintiffs. Okay. So, uh, and, and the Cato Institute filed a brief. You are a, most, a very recent former Catoite uh, who contributed yes. to this brief. Um, so tell me what you are suggesting the court do and what reasoning the court ought to use in deciding what just compensation looks like in this case. Sure. At this point, the uh, question of actual causation, of liability, of there having been a taking is pretty undisputed. Obviously, the government would want to dispute it, but uh, now that the federal claims court has decided on it, unless their decision was clearly erroneous, which it was not, the federal circuit isn't really going to get uh, too deep into reanalyzing that decision. What's still left to be determined um, and this is what Cato focused on, was what does just compensation mean? We didn't get into the dollar, uh, you know, the, the bean counting process. What we were trying to determine, um, or, or our argument was that the government can't claim, which it did, that because they, are, they were the original creators of Idaker's farmland through a program begun after the Flood Control Act of 1944, uh, was passed, that they can claim that to be essentially backward-looking compensation, meaning what the government giveth 
the government can take it. What away. are the implications of this more broadly than just Mr. Eidecker and uh, the similarly situated landowners? I would say it goes beyond the similarly situated landowners. Um, uh, for them, it's sort of the, the same implication is that um, across the country, uh, far- farmers or anyone engaged in commercial activity in those sorts of low-lying areas that can be flooded by Army uh, Corps of Engineers activities or changes in, in policy, they stand to lose a lot. And if the fact that those those low-lying areas were created through core activities, you know, decades prior, um, if that somehow is deemed to be compensation for any future um, diminution in, in value through uh, flooding, that you know, that's billions, tens of billions of dollars we're talking about that individuals have to eat costs that should be borne by the public at large. But there are national implications for allowing backward-looking compensation to cover for current invasions of property that cause diminutions in value. Um, If the government's argument is stretched to the extreme, then really anything that the state had a hand in will be able to be... uh, justification for taking it away later without having to pay. Two questions based on this. One, this sounds a lot like what Justice Roberts might call reliance interests. (laughs) And my second question is, like, how far down could this go? I'm thinking of zoning as an issue where there is essentially government changes the, the use of a property and thus potentially could change the value of a property. Sure. And uh, obviously, as Justice Holmes said in a very famous case, Pennsylvania Colby Mahon, he said government could hardly go on if it had to pay for every change in regulation. But that's where a concept called reasonable investment-backed expectations come into play. It was coined by the Supreme Court in Penn Central v. New York City, fairly famous, infamous case in 1978. And what what it does is for people purchasing property, assuming quite reasonably that a certain regulatory regime will remain in place, that any uncontemplated change or departure from that regulatory regime will result, uh, any damage, any invasion or diminution of value as a result of that change will be grounds uh, for for a valid takings claim. And for this case, it wasn't a complicated question. As mentioned, uh, in 2004, the Corps completely changed its priorities for the for the Missouri R- River Basin to protect three little species, two birds, one fish. They have deprioritized what they were focused on for half a century, which is to maintain that farmland. So the issue here then is is whether or not someone can engage in that type of expectation and expect it to be upheld. Absolutely. And um, courts have been, while courts have tended to favor the government under that Penn Central analysis, partly for for, uh, the reasons of other factors um, that the court laid out in that case, reasonable investment-backed expectations are critical for determining when to begin running the uh, clock on just compensation. Because as in this case, the government has been trying to say that you have to weigh 
the costs that the uh, that Idaker and his fellow farmers are are now internalizing. You have to weigh them against the vast benefits we bestowed upon them by creating these farmlands in the first place. Um, the Court of Federal Claims disagreed, reading a lot of precedent, a few key cases that we can get into if it's of interest. And um, the conclusion was that, no, the clock begins to run uh, after that land is, is cleared for, 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 for use. Otherwise, as mentioned, the government could taketh away anything it giveth because the government's hand is involved in a huge amount, if not the vast majority, to some degree in any project that then becomes uh, uh, privately owned and uh, developed. Sam Spiegelman is a recent former Catoite, now an attorney at the Pacific Legal Foundation. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 